0: You're very welcome to another episode of Graduate Compass. My name's Kina Sullivan, and uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you are very welcome and equally welcome if you are a regular listener. I have to admit a few months back when I was putting this podcast together I was scrounging around my social media networks and my uh, general connections just to see who I could find that would be a good fit to come and talk on this podcast and one of the first people to jump out of me was my old friend Joe Lenihan who I met in college so many years ago at this stage. Joe is not just a journalist and an entrepreneur but she is also a stylist and a general guru for anything that is fashion related or sustainability related not to mention she is also a podcaster and I'll mention a bit more about that at the end of today's episode but for now let's get on with the episode.
1: Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be.
0: Joe Linehan, very welcome to this episode of Graduate Compass. I'm so excited to have you here for a number of different reasons. But before I get into that, before I can explain any of that, how about we start with what you do now in your career and then we'll we'll work back from there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for having me, Um, I guess I do a selection of things. I work for myself, which means that I kind of have to have my hand in a couple of different pies. But I suppose very, very basically, I am a journalist, a lifestyle journalist, and I co-own an interiors company. And within that, there are lots of other streams. But that's the kind of general, easy, uh, goes on the tax form reference.
0: That is that is definitely probably the easiest way to start it because I was uh, looking at your, at your LinkedIn profile before uh, the interview today and I was just thinking there's so many things that you do, which I'm sure will come up in the course of the interview, I didn't know where to start, so I'm really glad you gave me that kind of be- basic starting point, so thank you so much for that. <laughs> so let's rewind back, let's go back to you've just finished school, uh, you originally were going to university, college, call it what you want, what did you go to study as a starting point?
1: So as you say, I finished my Leaving Cert and uh, I really hadn't a clue of what I wanted to do. And I was in a group of very close friends and all of them were very, very clear from an early age that they had their chosen careers and I really was lost. So I, you know, I mean, at that stage, I just felt like the right thing to do was to just sign up for anything and just go for it everyone was looking for the third level experience so I felt like that was what I should do and I signed up for a course in UCC it was the first year of a brand new course and it was in sustainable business development um, and kind of world policy so a lot to do with looking at world hunger issues and water shortage issues and I you know it was something that I was really interested in but I found a couple weeks I think really into the course that I was not um I guess prepared for third level I really felt out of my depth I you know had been really used to being in secondary school where you've a lot of friends around and it's a small community I, I grew up in a small rural town and then suddenly I was in this huge university and I didn't really know anyone I'm not a big drinker I'm not a big socializer I'm a bit of an introvert so I found that in the evenings that's all people were doing And then on top of that, the people in my course, because it was a brand new course and it was quite, um, I guess, an academic course, I was the youngest person there. Most people were mature students. So I suddenly found myself coming up to Christmas time just with this awful dread, just feeling like I'm not in the right course or the right place. But what do I do? Everyone else was having such a great university experience. And I just felt like there was something wrong that I wasn't having that experience. So I am very lucky that I have very open parents, uh, even though that they they were both UCC graduates and loved UCC. (laughs) So it was very difficult to say to them that I wasn't sharing their enthusiasm, but I told them that I didn't think it was right. And so I decided to finish the year in UCC, do my exams, uh, which I think was great advice from my dad. He said, like, get the year done because you never know, you might come back to it. So just finish it out. And then I went into that summer not knowing what I was going to do for the next year. But very luckily, a friend of mine uh, who was really interested in music told me about a course in Colossus Stefanefa. And I had played in bands growing up. I was a drummer and I sang and music was really my first love. So I decided I would sign up and do that course uh, for the next three years. And really the dream about it was that it was a very small college. So it kind of had a secondary school feel and I was able to make friends and get to know the tutors and it really was just like giving me a breather it was kind of like okay I was in third level but it wasn't the the crazy overwhelming experience and obviously I met you there so it was it was a wonderful three years that really gave me a lot of confidence back
0: one of the reasons I, I said at the start, you know, that there was several that I was so glad that you came onto this uh, podcast, um, but one of them was, is because I really wanted to speak to someone who had been brave enough to switch courses. Because one of the um, recurring themes we've we've had in interviews uh, over the last kind of the course of the, the first um, number of episodes is people saying. I wish I was brave enough to switch I wish I I just had 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 that kind of guts to move or I wonder what would have happened and I think yours is a really good example of that so when you made that switch I know you said to give you a bit of a break and stuff did you have the kind of idea of of continuing music after you finished that course or kind of what what was your kind of thoughts as you kind of made your way through the course towards the end
1: so, I guess when I moved initially, I really was just looking to get back on the wagon. And, you know, I didn't have an interest in taking a year out of traveling. I wanted to get back into third level. And what I decided to do was to focus on something that I knew I was passionate about and that I loved. I didn't know if it was going to lead to anything afterwards, but I just felt like it was going to give me a lot of skills. And, uh, you know, I just see how the course went. And as the course progressed, I enjoyed it so much, but I really realized that. While I loved music and I had some talent, the calibre of dedication and talent that it needs to succeed as a commercial musician is really, really special. And that's why there's so few working musicians today is that, you know, you really need to be on a different level. So by the time I came towards the end of my third year, I knew that it wasn't something I was going to do in terms of a career. But during that time through third level and it actually began in UCC, I became part of the UCC newspaper. Uh, the year that I was there and I loved it and then in CSN I had time to write and I started a fashion blog which I used to write on just for fun blogs were a thing back then it was kind of the start of the wordpress uh, revolution and I just had time to write and I realized that I loved writing and it was really exciting because I felt like in school I would never have thought I was a good writer and there was always you know girls in the class who were amazing at essay writing in English they got all the A's I wasn't that student but I suddenly had this freedom to write very freely and about something I was passionate about and so towards the end of the third year I was lucky enough to be shortlisted by Vogue for their new blog category and that really gave me a boost and I thought okay maybe I can pursue this I have no degree in it and I don't have any experience but I had learned from reading that you know magazines and newspapers a lot of people just interned and that's how they started you know so many great trades. Electricians, plumbers, builders, that's all trade. And I, I really don't think we put enough emphasis on that. But during that time, I was like, okay, maybe maybe now that I've had the headspace over the last three years, now I've kind of found what I need to do when I leave.
0: It, it's funny because you, you started all of that by referencing how difficult it is to make it as a commercial musician, and, and rightly so. However, what you, uh, you, Neglected to to say is how difficult it is to make it as a journalist, especially to the level that you you've achieved. And if if people don't know who you are and don't follow your stuff, they absolutely should Google you and follow your stuff because you write some amazing amazing stuff. Um, but that took a lot of work. That was not an easy transition from from our conversations before this interview. It seems to be very very difficult. So one, I just want to give you a bit of credit, just to kind of I suppose give that as a starting point. What was your next step when you when uh, when you finished? what kind of um how did you how did you up your games kind of reach that level i suppose is my question that i'm asking in a very very roundabout way
1: yeah for sure no and i know i know exactly what you mean so i finished the course and then I was trying to make a plan of how I would get an internship. I kind of figured that was the way to get in, learn the skill sets from people who were in the industry. Um, So I, you know, just started to really work on my CV. I made sure that I got up every morning and wrote something every single day, no matter what it was. I read as much as I could and I, I had kind of honed in on fashion and fashion magazines. So I read them all and I studied them and I really started to just prepare myself for when I would get an internship so alongside that I was emailing writing cold calling all of the magazines in Ireland and there was about four at the time so there was only a, a pool of about 30 people who I could annoy <laughs> and eventually I annoyed um, one of them enough that she got back to me and said okay look we need someone to come in before Christmas time to literally make teas and coffees and tidy the shelves that's all it's going to be don't expect anything else." We need you for three days and that's it and i was so excited because i knew if i got in there and made myself useful i'd be able to 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 stay and that's exactly what happened i went in i made tea the best that anyone had ever made tea i tidied shelves the best anyone had tidied them and i really just made myself so indisposable like i did things without having to be asked so when the end of the week came thankfully the editor was able to look around and say wow we actually really need the help this is great And I was offered an informal internship which basically means unpaid but I didn't care I had my retail job and I really felt like that was kind of the first step on the ladder towards the career and it was it really was.
0: Do you know I know you said you you didn't care that it wasn't paid but that must have been so difficult juggling both of those two things how long did you have to do that?
1: I did that for almost two years and I worked as a nanny. I worked in clothes shops. I, I kind of did loads of things to just support myself. Um, and then, then I, I kind of used initiative as well. Like when I was at the magazine, I started doing lots of research and there was a government initiative that if you were interning, you could build a program into the company where they would cover your transport costs. And, you know, it was expensive to get there. So I I brought that into the company and that allowed me to pay for those things. And then other new people who came into the company as interns were able to um, avail of that. So that was another thing that brought value to the company with, you know, working there. So it took ways and means and it took a lot of hard work. But, you know, I I, I think when you're that passionate and you're that you know, dead set on something, you'll do it. You'll find a way. And I honestly don't think I could do it now if I was starting from scratch. But at the time, yeah, it just you just make it work.
0: So two years of that, uh, I really admire your energy. I'm tired just thinking about it. I'm gonna have a, have a nap after this uh, after this phone call. What was the I suppose like? Was there a moment then where where things kind of moved to more of of the kind of paid and professional stuff, or was that a gradual thing? How did that all, the, How did that all work?
1: Yes. So it was super gradual. But in fairness to the company, the second that they had an opportunity to put me on the payroll, they did, which was incredible. So I started on a small salary as a junior editor. And then, you know, over the next three years, I graduated to acting fashion editor and, there were small incremental uh, pay rises all the way and with those pay rises came a little bit more responsibility and a little bit more involvement which was brilliant and because I worked in a company that had multiple publications I was always happy to give a hand with other publications so I made a little bit of extra money on the side there too so it was very incremental and it really took four and a half to five years there to where I was at a point where career-wise people knew who I was and I was respected I felt like I had the skill set that I needed and that I was actually making a really decent living wage and at that point then I was like okay I've gotten what I need and I decided to leave but it did take four or five years really of establishing myself
0: I'm sorry I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back over that again because you, you 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 passed over the last bit so much because it was like it was like achieving this goal took years to get there and then you went I'm gonna leave Ex- sorry explain that what why 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 did you want to leave having climbed the mountain
1: I know and I I had the exact conversation with my poor parents who had already been through two college courses and now uh, a whole company and I guess it's a hard thing to explain because logistically and practically it probably sounds crazy but I'm a big believer in tuning into your inner voice and taking in what's going on in the world and I'd been there almost five years. I learned so much but you know I had started at at that company as an intern so I was always going to be seen as an intern, really. And I had gone for a really big position there, which I knew I deserved. And I really felt I'd worked for. And I'd actually been half doing for the bones of a year. And I didn't get it. And I knew that I hadn't gotten it because I was always going to be in a certain position in there. Um, So I guess, you know, that kind of pushed me to leave. But also, I really do believe four to five years in a company, unless it's a super progressive company, you're going to run out of learning curves. You're going to run out of, challenges new people who influence you having managers that really uh, you know see different sides of you and ask different things of you so it was a combination of things but I definitely knew if I still if I had stayed there any longer I would have become very uh stayed and I think that that can be very dangerous we all get into our comfort zones and comfort zone is not something I enjoy so I decided to make the
0: leap you clearly, I, I would agree with that statement because you, you clearly don't enjoy comfort zone. If you're gonna, if you if you're gonna move uh, like that, that's it's it's impressive and really brave. And as I said, I I don't think I would have the, the guts to do it. So fair play to you for that one. C- can we just focus a little bit on, on the moment where you didn't get the job that you went for? How did that? How did that go? Because that can be a difficult thing to deal with when you go for a job that you feel like you deserve and that you've also partly been doing.
1: Yeah, and it was such a huge challenge and definitely one of the career. Lows, I guess because you know especially if you are super invested in a place and as you say you feel like you've earned it you, you know you've earned your stripes and it's really the next exciting step for you and I'd been in a role which I felt like I'd really exhausted so you know I, I felt like it was the time. It was really devastating. And, you know, even even to this day, I don't know why I wasn't chosen, but I do think it comes back to, you know, company politics and people, you know, coming in from the outside, maybe having a lot more experience. And I I really had only worked at the the one company. I found it really difficult, but I I'm a super positive person and I try to take the positive from it. And I really told myself, okay, I'm not supposed to be here for the next three years. I'm supposed to move on to something else. So I think if you can. Decide what's right for you. For some people, if they don't get the role, it might be, you know, go again in a year or go again at the next opportunity. For me, when I tuned into myself and I asked myself what this was telling me, it was really telling me, okay, it's time to graduate and move on. But it's really difficult. And I, I definitely don't think anyone should diminish it. Being rejected like that in work. Is as difficult as being rejected in your personal life if some if your work is something you're really passionate about, and for me it was so yeah, it was it was a big challenge. It worked out for the best, but uh, it was tough at the time
0: so what was your next step then after you left the company
1: so when i when I hadn't gotten the role, I decided I would make a plan, so I didn't get the role in January of that year, and I decided I would leave around the September, and when I was thinking about what I wanted to do. I knew that within my industry, because it's so small, I thought, you know, if I go to another newspaper, another magazine, I'm kind of going to be doing the same thing. And I'll probably be just taking a sidestep to a level that's probably the same as what I'm doing now. So I had always wanted to travel to New York and try to work there. So I decided I would apply for a journalist visa, which I was uh, allowed to get because I was a working journalist. And I decided I would go to New York for a few months, see if I could get some experience, at that stage I was writing but I was also doing a lot of fashion styling so I decided I would move in September and give New York a go see if I could get into some magazines there and try my hand and uh, so that's what I did in September of that year.
0: Wow and how, how different was it working in New York because it's, it's, it's almost like you've climbed this, this kind of uh, you know the media journalist mountain in Dublin and then to take that and, and almost start again in New York so was there a level that you started at or were you literally just starting at the bottom how did that go
1: there was no level there was nothing (laughs) I cannot tell you I was beyond a nobody when I went to New York what's great is that you know in New York, people are so into networking and everyone wants to help you. But like, wow, nothing could have prepared me for how difficult it would be. It was really, really tough. I worked in a bar while I was there and just tried to meet as many people as I could and just figure out what was going on. And I was lucky enough to get a couple of freelancing gigs from Ireland, actually. So that kind of kept me going. But in New York, it was really, really tough. And I learned so much about myself there. You know, one of the reasons that I decided to leave was that I felt like, I had worked so hard for 5 years that I really left a lot of you know my own personal stuff go. I didn't really have many hobbies. I hadn't had a lot of time to you know travel or explore. I'd really been so focused on work. So going to New York was really like a career move but also kind of a personal move. So it was a really big change, a really big challenge and I learned so much about myself being there and especially being there alone. You know, I I lived by myself and even though I made friends, you know, when you're in a different country, you really you'll understand you really don't have a network so I enjoyed it I had some amazing experiences I got some great work with Barneys in New York and some other publications but I think by about Christmas time I knew that the pace the vibe the lack of nature and just how much I was going to have to invest to make my way there it was just not for me and it coincided with a couple of really interesting jobs from Dublin that I'd been asked uh, to interview for and and take part in so when I came home at that Christmas time I thought okay I've given it a go it wasn't for me I had some great times but I was excited to get back to Dublin for sure
0: and and it must have been this really kind of I was um Weird experience coming back from Dublin because you come back and in some ways you're the same person but in other ways you're completely different and you're you're so changed from that kind of experience. So how did that kind of affect your attitude to work and what you decided you're going to do next?
1: Well it was crazy because you're so right I did feel different and I really feel like people in the in the industry looked at me differently. Like I hadn't been gone long but I think it must have felt like I was gone a long time because there was a whole kind of renewed energy about what I could write about and people wanted a New York uh, perspective on things so it was such a great investment tough and all as it was it really did take the shine off off me and it took me away from the company that I worked for and I suddenly was this new person to other employers which was awesome I think when I'd been in New York I'd always wanted to start my own company so I was keeping my eyes out for things that were there that I could bring back to Ireland and the States are always so far ahead of us and I just noticed that people there spent a lot of time at flea markets at the weekend and they were a lot more fluid with their interiors you know like I grew up in a house where we bought a sofa you know And then you had it for 30 years until it fell apart and then you get a new one. Whereas in New York, it was a lot more transitional. You know, people changed up their interiors for the new seasons and they had a lot more fun with it. They were happy to buy things secondhand and get things from thrift stores. And I just loved that, that approach to interiors. It was very much a thing with fashion and beauty here but the interiors thing really hadn't latched on and there were very few people selling affordable interiors in Ireland at the time. So when I came home, my now business partner, Caroline Foreign, and I had worked in the company, the magazine company together, and we had always kind of brainstormed about business ideas that we'd like to do together. So when I came back, I said to her, you know, I think there's really space for an online interiors platform where we can share advice and tips suggest where people can buy stuff and what they can do if they're renting or if they've just bought a home you know we were in our mid-20s no money but like loads of ambition and Carolyn had just bought her first home and she was really starving for inspiration on a budget so we started Gaff Interiors in 2016 and it was just one of those amazing things that was like at the right time it just took off and I'm so excited it's grown every year in so many different ways but it started Basically, as a blog, and it's just it's grown. So that was one great thing that New York gave me for sure.
0: So when when you started Gaff Interiors, was was that something that you could, I suppose, live off and 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 uh, kind of uh, focus your full time attention with uh, at to begin with? Are you were you still doing the freelance stuff and still doing the writing alongside it? Or how how did you kind of balance everything?
1: Yes. So I was totally still styling, writing and doing loads of other freelance work. And then Gaff was really just something on the side. And like we obviously wanted to make money from it, but we knew it was going to be a slow build. We, you know, we had to meet brands and explain to them what it was. We had to convince different companies that it was something, you know, that they were it was worth looking at. So it took time and it's still not something that Caroline and I live off, but it's a really nice income it, it's, it's its own separate stream it generates a little bit of income it's a nice little side gig and it's something that we love to do so it tips away and uh, it's just growing bigger and bigger hopefully someday we'll live off it but for now it is just another part of kind of the bigger um focus that i have
0: and correct me if i'm wrong did it not lead to a and we can edit this out if i am wrong um did it not lead to a, a an online tv show at rte
1: Yes it did actually within its first year which is crazy but I think because it was something that people weren't really talking about we got into a car and drove around Ireland and took kind of four of the worst rooms in people's houses and tried to make them uh, useful and gorgeous really on a, on a shoestring and it was a brilliant experience and I cringe looking back on it thank god it's been taken off online. <laughs> because <laughs> we were so young and naive, but it was such a brilliant experience and it really gave Gaff like a whole other stature. It was just, yeah, it was brilliant. Great experience.
0: And I, I should just give a bit of context because we do have a lot of listeners from a uh, place like the United Kingdom, but also uh, the States and Canada and stuff. So RT is Radio and it's the Irish national broadcaster. So we have a TV presenter in our midst just to kind of give a bit of context for anyone who who isn't familiar with that brand. So, OK, so you, you're you're doing... This, um, you, you, you've just done your, your, uh, for your pilot show and, and with Gaff on RT, you've, you're, you're still freelancing. What was the next step? How did it develop from there? Where did it all go?
1: So I, as you say, freelancing for as many publications as I could. And like, that's a really, when you work for yourself and you're a freelancer, that's a really mixed bag. So that changes with the seasons, it changes with the months and it's super unpredictable. So I guess the goal for me was to just get as much consistent, steady work as possible and be as careful and prudent as I could be. So that has its ups and downs. That means that when you get five requests, for a deadline in one month you've got to say yes and then if you have a month when it's really quiet you need to keep yourself busy so I mean that's why GAF has been so great you know on the months that are a little bit quieter that's a great focus and something to nurture and then I guess about two years ago having worked in fashion for so long and lifestyle and beauty I really started to notice that there was a lot of waste and a lot of um, I guess not so sustainable things you know emerging from my work and I really started to question what I was writing about you know I loved writing about fashion and beauty but you know did I really want to be you know helping and suggesting people to buy a new thing every week and invest in something you know every second day and I really just started to look at the things that I wanted to support and talk about you know my favorite things to write about are local small businesses So I decided I would lean in towards more of that and I really started to focus on sustainability and trying to educate myself on you know sustainable fashion fast fashion and the dangers and then looking at the brands that I would work with and really start to just take stock so that kind of led me to becoming really obsessed and interested and I started a podcast last year called The Futurist and that's really conversations with people who are doing Sustainable, eco friendly, planet friendly things within the lifestyle space. So, I guess what I felt was that as someone who loves the beautiful, shiny things in life, I really couldn't get on board with a hemp jumper. Like, <laughs> I want to be able to have a gorgeous lifestyle in a home and dress really well and enjoy my makeup and beauty. I don't want to have to sacrifice. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles that people have. So the podcast and a lot of the the stuff that I do with The Futurist is trying to bridge the gap. So, you know, you can have your gorgeous makeup look, but it'll come from Bare Minerals, you know, who are super sustainable and vegan and, and eco-friendly. Or you can have a gorgeous new pair of trainers, but they're Veta and they're made from sustainable rubber from Brazil. You can have your gorgeous bar of chocolate, but it's from Tony's Chocoloni because they support slave free chocolate production in West Africa. So it's about bringing sustainability and eco friendly practices to people, but not having them to give up things that they love and a lifestyle that they enjoy. So that's really been my passion for the last two years. And that's something that's kind of taken over the bulk of my work. Anyone I kind of write for or contribute to now there'll always be kind of a sustainable thread or angle which I love it's really really important to me
0: and I suppose at this point it's really worth going right back to the days after uh, you finish school because to remind people your degree Remind us what the, the degree title was that you originally went yeah. to study.
1: International Development, Food Policy, Sustainable Business Development, which is so crazy that it's gone full circle. And I'm actually just in the middle of applying for a postgrad. Um, I finally feel like I'm ready to go back to study. It only took, what, 15 years later. But I am going to hopefully go back and uh, do Sustainable Business Development in DCU in January, fingers crossed. And it's so crazy because... Now, I feel like if I had the opportunity to be in UCC, I would just be beside myself. It took me a long time to mature. (laughs) A lot of people listening to this will be way more mature than I am. But yeah, it really has gone full circle, which is crazy.
0: That is that is absolutely class and absolutely amazing. And it's 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 really there's there's a number of things I kind of want to focus on. First of all, I just want to focus on the fact that I I hope people get the impression, uh, the correct impression is that you have built, uh, you know, not just kind of one um, uh, sorry, you've not just developed in one area, but you've kind of developed in several, whether it's the writing, whether it's presenting, whether it's the podcasts, whether it's the, you know, your own business and being an entrepreneur. And, and what's interesting is that you didn't start off to achieve all that all in one go. You picked one stream, you went with the writing, and then it kind of naturally led from one thing to another. Or am I wrong in saying that was there, you know, did you have any kind of uh, grand ambition? How did you approach that?
1: No, no plan, no grand ambition. I think I just I love variety, and I just love you know to be busy and I like just changing things up. And so I try to keep an open mind. And I think when you work for yourself, it's super important that you are open and that you don't don't pigeonhole yourself. You know, if I only wanted to be a fashion writer, I would be unemployed right now, you know, especially when you live in somewhere like Ireland, there just isn't that scope. You have to be versatile. You have to be willing to upscale and change direction and go with the times. You know, it it wouldn't be right for me to still be writing about fast fashion. I have to change with the times. Now we need to be able to adapt and go with the zeitgeist and get a sense for what people are interested in. So totally keep an open mind and yeah, just be willing to adapt all of the time. And there's no plan. Just keep your eyes open for an opportunity and something that, you're passionate about and latch onto it you'll always find the time if you're passionate about it
0: and and it's 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 interesting because you because you say you always found the time I'm wondering where you got the energy from
1: I don't know when I think back to the first five years that I spent as an intern and then working like I honestly don't know it was crazy and I think just when you're young you just don't think about it and you have less like you've less to do when you're young you know you're just like living on noodles and (laughs) just like getting through it and you know it's it's harder as you get older and you have more responsibility and you just don't have that energy now I do so much less now obviously than I did back then but uh you know I think it really comes down to like whether you're passionate if you are it gives you energy you know you're doing the podcast this evening You if you're if you're up for something you'll always find the time and it won't feel like a chore if you love what you're doing
0: absolutely absolutely so uh before we come to the to the end, I suppose I want to kind of just re um centre our focus here because not everyone who's going to be listening to this is going to have the same kind of drive and that they want to go off and build a career. That some of them are just trying to fit, find their own way. Some of them are going to do that, uh, you know, at, at your pace, and some of them are going to be like me and 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 uh, slow as a turtle and doing it at a much slower pace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just wondering if, if kind of keeping that kind of wide variety of people who may be listening uh, in mind. You've already given some advice. What advice would you give in in terms of trying to figure out what you love and what you want to do?
1: I think the most important thing is to take the pressure off yourself for it to be for life. I think if somebody had said to me in my Leaving Cert year, you know, don't worry about what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Why don't you just choose a course that you feel is going to nourish you, that is going to help you expand, it's going to give you new skills. Just focus on that because I, I... think I would have done a totally different course and I think I probably would have stuck to university. But because I was so terrified that this is what I was going to have to do for the rest of my life, it put so much pressure on it that I just couldn't make a decision. So I think focus on something that feels right for right now. And then when you finish If it's still right, great. If it feels like it needs to be something else, you'll be able to diversify. And I've constantly done that throughout my career. And also, I know it sounds like really shiny and great, like all the things I'm talking about, but I can tell you, I have so many writing jobs that are just, you know, boring, pay the bills, steady Eddie. It probably sounds like I'm super driven and it's all super shiny and it's this great, like all the bells and whistles. But like most of my work is just paying the bills, A lot of the writing is just plain old copywriting, very steady eddy, boring stuff. And then all the nice stuff is like the superfluous stuff, like the gaff and, you know, the nice one article that you get in the Times that people see. So, you know, I don't want to be painting a picture that it's like this dream career. Most of it is, you know, paying the bills and trying to be steady and have that basic income and then adding on the extra bits to it. So for anyone who's like wow, like how do you create that? There has to be the downside to it too. And there really, really is. And so much of it is admin and doing your own tax returns and everything. So just to not have a completely like shiny view of it, you know, it's good to be realistic about the compromises you have to make too.
0: I think it's important that look, that people realize every job has that and it doesn't matter yeah. which area you're in do you know like it, it, whether it's a very well paid job or not a very well paid job or a flexible job or not a flexible job there are benefits to every job and there are downsides to every job and I think people sometimes lose sight of that. I think we've covered everything but I do like to give people a um, the chance if there's anything else you'd like to say uh, yourself and you want to add that hasn't maybe been covered you do I can just edit this bit out if you don't have anything but I just like to give people the option.
1: Um, I think that's everything. But yeah, just to talk to people like you who have great advice and insight and don't be afraid to ask for advice. And if you're in the middle of a crisis and you think this isn't the course, me you know, talk to the people who can help you switch or help you evaluate, take the pressure off yourself to have a life plan and yeah, just just go, right, go with the flow as much as possible. <laughs> Enjoy it. Don't take it too seriously.
0: Joe, thank you so much. That was Joe Linehan talking about her very interesting and expanding career that started in journalism and has moved into so many varying different aspects now that includes her being an entrepreneur but also includes things like her being a podcaster and I think just generally being a guru as I said at the start for everything uh, kind of sustainability focused or fashion focused which by the way reminds me that um, Joe also runs the Futures podcast and you can find a link to um, Joe's website and the podcast in the description of this particular episode And I would recommend uh, you check that out because especially if you're interested in sustainability like me, but don't really know where to start, Um, I personally found it a very kind of accessible listen and uh, something very, very interesting as well. The thing I took from Jo's very, very impressive career so far is that not only was she ambitious from the start, but she backed it up with hard work and graft. So many graduates, so many students I know are super ambitious. They, They want to grow, they want to achieve, and it's very, very admirable. But the other side of it is, is you do have to back it up, you do have to put in the work, you do have to kind of, you know, put in the shifts, I suppose, to figure everything out and to kind of make some steps forward, and Jo did that very much with her own career and uh, continues to do so. So if you're someone who equally has that kind of burning ambition, um, I suppose I would just kind of say to you that, you know, be aware that you have to put in the work, that you have to put in the grind, that things don't come straight away overnight, even If your ambition is just to kind of figure out your career path, that can take work, that can take time, that can also take discipline. And if you keep with it, you will get results. I'm Keno Sullivan. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Graduate Compass. Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you're trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.